Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eCampus News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in higher ed tech this month. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. It's the last episode of 2022. Let me take this moment to thank all of our listeners and to wish each and every one of you happy holidays and happy new year. Meanwhile, there's plenty of fresh content posted to eCampus this month, so let's dig in. First, a new study examines barriers and motivations for transfer students with major implications for institutions of higher learning. Apparently, three in 10 college transfer students are losing an alarming number of academic credits upon moving to a new institution. And this is according to a study from UPCEA, an association of adult and continuing education units at colleges and universities, and Strader Line. The findings come from a new survey examining students' lived experiences and perceptions around transferring college credits. As universities and colleges struggle with declining enrollment, many are looking at ways to reach the more than 39 million Americans with some college credit but no degree. The survey of nearly 1,000 adults found learners who transfer want an easier process, better communication, and clearer path to completing their degree. Some other findings from the study that there's barriers to transfer. The most significant barriers that students encounter during the process includes the difficulty of transferring credit, 17%, communication with school or staff, 15%, paperwork completion, 15%, and uh, know this acronym, FAFSA and tuition issues, 12%. Another issue, finances driving transfer decisions. Financial reasons were the most common motivation cited for a student deciding to transfer. That was almost 40% of the respondents. Other reasons for transferring included a change in the area of study. That was 31%. Family reasons, 30%. And the previous school not being the right fit. And that was around 27%. Here's one more. Students as savvy shoppers. Half of the students survey said they attempted to shop or explore multiple colleges or universities to see which would accept their credits. Be sure to head up to the top story sections of eCampus News to take a deeper dive into these numbers. It could have some serious implications for how you run your transfer process. Next, Kevin Stringfellow, he's the Associate Director of Client Solutions at ExamSoft, writes a thoughtful essay on how to challenge the misperceptions around exam integrity. He writes that it's common for examinees to view the exam integrity process as rigid and unforgiving, and he offers some suggestions on how to navigate those feelings. Here's an excerpt. First, he writes, why is exam integrity important? And he says it's crucial to having results that you can trust to truly reflect student knowledge and curricular outcomes. If you have this accurate reflection, Any data and analytics derived from exams in the form of categorical or item analysis can assist with student remediation, giving a pinpointed and detailed overview of strengths and areas that need improvement. Any exam that doesn't have integrity doesn't have the downstream advantage of knowing exactly where students stand academically, and it can't provide the meaningful statistics that show your curriculum is teaching adequately. For many universities, this means proving compliance to their accreditors. If you have data with integrity, it is accepted as a valid indicator of your institution's academic reputation. He then goes on to talk about the value of communication. To challenge the mindset that exam integrity is a barrier to success, he writes, 
Educators must be better communicators in, in explaining the why and the how behind exam integrity policies. When presenting security measures, whether through a secure testing software, proctoring solution, or exam day policy, it is imperative to present these items as assistive rather than punitive. Instead of saying that a new process or rule is being put in, in place to prevent their cheating, emphasize that this new direction is there to protect the integrity of the exam itself and provide everyone with that same opportunity. When exam results are reliable, he writes, that is, when exams are an accurate measure of student learning, students can take pride in the quality of their education. So this is just a brush of the insights that Kevin has to offer. You can find it in the top stories feed this month up at eCampus News. Be sure to check it out. And finally, an enterprise resource planning system, otherwise known as an ERP, is a powerful tool for overseeing campus business operations. But there are some things an ERP just wasn't designed to do well. So what if you want to uncouple your human resources system from the limitations of your ERP? I had the pleasure to speak with Erica Sandoval. She's a partner at UKG Strategic Advisory Group about this very subject. Here's a snippet something that's, that's pretty conceptual into uh, the, the reality of the day-to-day. You actually triggered some PTSD for me when I was in college, and that, that check didn't get there uh, by Friday. There was no beer money for the weekend, right? And that's, that's, that's an important thing. Erica, talk a little bit about that idea of paying the employees correctly. It seems to be that's one of the, one of the three biggest uh, advantages of this decoupling that we're talking about. 100%, Kevin. And I, I think when we're talking about you know, our employees that are on these campuses, um, as well as the students, which they tend to be in a lot of these um, frontline positions that I'm speaking on, but also the frontline employees also really highly depend on making sure they're, they're paid accurately. Because over 50% of frontline employees on college campuses, um, when I'm talking frontline, um, not just student affairs workers, but I'm speaking folks that may be working on grounds, working in um, dining, working um, in operations, these employees at over 50% of campus employees already hold two jobs. So these employees um, are, are juggling multiple jobs. Um, they're also the folks who have been hit the hardest during the pandemic, as we already know, um, as the data has been telling us. So, you know, they're rushed from one job to the other. And so if they're not paid on time, it really, um, all the stressors that Dennis was talking about for a lot of these employees, they're, they're, they're living paycheck to paycheck as well, but also supporting um, family, extended family, um, and, and being able to see the information of their paycheck is critical and to make sure that they're getting paid on time. And, you know, Dennis made a really good point. Folks talk on campuses, especially really large campuses, there's a lot of discussion happening. And if if you're looking and you know, if your HCM isn't centralized in one location, I think that's one thing we see in very large campus and large institutions they're gonna be talking to other folks who may be using a different HR system within on campus. Did you get paid? How much are you getting paid? What does that look like? How about your hours? Can you swap shifts? That's another big topic with student workers and also frontline workers. How what's the ability to, to swap these shifts so that we know um, that things can change, right? Because folks may be having, especially with the pandemic, with the remote learning, um, student workers need to be able to make those changes um, so that the frontline managers can be able to focus on being a manager um, instead of having to do all the admin work that can tend to happen um, when we're talking about this decoupling. So I think that's one thing that's super critical to talk about um, is the consistency of the time that's saved when you're moving into these kind of models. And I think a big discussion is 
moving from transactional models to really this business partner focus. And to be able to do that, you really have to have the right technology to move because oftentimes um, what happens in a lot of folks who are, are working within only um, an ERP system is there tends to be a lot of transactional, a lot of manual, a lot of can this speak to this process? Um, and then another thing that I want to touch up, talk about with the pay that goes hand in hand is the performance part, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but the performance management piece is so important when we're talking about as well, how can we make this um, easier and smoother by really um, coupling it together with this HCM to make it more robust so that our HR folks are really working on payroll and our finance folks who maybe not have an idea of what happens in the everyday life of an HR professional on a campus really try to understand how can we track the data to make it easier um, and financial and really financially accessible for to really understand where those gaps may exist. If you want to listen to the full conversation, go up to the webinar tab at eCampus News and search for Empowering HR with Tools to Enhance Engagement. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eCampusNews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the higher ed, ed tech space. Remember, eCampus is always free and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eCampus News.